0: It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Inside
1: Access with Chase and Locke and Ken Wyman. Sponsored by Stevenson University Online. 105.7 The Fan.
2: He played the plays he had. He played really well. I mean, we'll kind of work that every single week. You know, you move guys around. A lot of guys are learning. You know, Kyle's developing. It's his third game as an NFL player, you know, and obviously I had a learning experience the week before, you know, as, as a lot of guys, young guys did and do, especially in the back end. So, uh, but I thought he, you know, he worked hard all week, got a sense of urgency to try to become, you know, a little bit better of a player, you know, this week than he was last week, and he became a much better player. Now I think the ball came out fast, and then he's got to play better. You know, like like all of us do. You know, we've got to coach better, got to play better, and got to make yourself, got to make a name for yourself out there. You know, you got to go do it.
1: John Harbaugh talking about a couple of former first-round picks on defense. Kyle Hamilton and Odafe Owe, both of whom have had their struggles at different levels uh, this season through three games. Patrick Queen being another one, three first-round picks on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, inside access here on a Tuesday. And you've got those three one number one picks. And Queen, Tim and I thought he had a good week one. You were wishy-washy on it, yeah. and he hasn't been good since. Uh, Hamilton – Struggled week two. I made a huge played way fewer snaps week three, but made a huge game-changing play in week three. And always been playing a lot, but there's not much to show for it. So how are you feeling about these guys as we head into week four against Buffalo, Jason? I thought it was go time for two of the
3: three week one. And when you lose some manpower in the secondary, then by week two, it was go time for all three of them. Uh, I mean, yes, there is a learning curve with Kyle Hamilton, and yes, less is more with him right now, and hopefully the injury situations will subside on the back end and they'll be able to bleed him in gradually. Is that ideally what you get from your 14th overall pick? No. No, not when you're in Super Bowl or bus mode with a quarterback who doesn't have a contract beyond this year, who's doing things no one's ever done in the game before. But, but that's where they are, and that's what's best for them. The other two, excuse time's been over for a long time. Um, you We can talk metrics. We can talk combine numbers. We can talk analytics. We can talk size, speed, ratios, and wingspans. But when we talk football, there ain't nearly enough there there productivity-wise for either. Um, you want to call it lack of player development, we can slice and dice it any way we want. But to me, it comes back on the general manager. He, he His reputation was draft guru, and he's clearly drafting in many of these cases – for a particular need. We all knew they were taking a linebacker that year. Was it going to be Jordan Brooks? Was it going to be Kenneth Murray? Was yeah. it going to be Patrick Queen? But it was clear what they were going to do, right? Don't look – don't we? Don't insult our, our wide receiver room. They were going to take some receivers high that year, and they did. They let Judon walk for less money on average than they had paid him the year before. Yes. They trade their Pro Bowl left tackle, and they used the pick on Owe because – they absolutely been positively had to get a pass rusher. He's well, not a pass rusher; just a qualifier. He
1: was their Pro Bowl right tackle. He became a left. He
3: tackle. played at the left. Was he yeah. not a Pro Bowl alternate as a left tackle? Uh, I believe he went to. No, was he? I believe he went to the Pro Bowl that year where he played pred- predominantly left tackle. When Ronnie got hurt, yes. Regardless, so you needed a pass rusher. What you got is a guy who's been on the field pass rushing 118 times. According to True Media, the third most pass rushes of any player in the NFL, and far and away the most of any outside linebacker, 20 more than any outside linebacker, and he hasn't hit a quarterback, he has just 11 pressures, forget about a sack, and now Houston's banged up on the other side. I don't want to hear about double teams, that's that's the NFL, I don't want to hear about holding the ball too long. My goal for him, you two are saying double-digit sacks, I said... Whoa, 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 whoa. Let's just see a guy who brings a motor and impacts the game at least a little bit three out of every four games. He's all for three. Yep. And Patrick Queen still can't tackle, still can't cover anybody. If you want to play him three downs because you got nobody else, you can do that, but he will be systematically exposed. It's happening. He's one for three, though. He's it, had To you, he's, he's one half to three to me. Yeah. T-Bone and I haven't won. But the last two games, he's still playing every snap. And he's got five total tackles in each game, two missed tackles in each game. It's pretty much a guarantee if you throw at him, you'll complete it. He he did make a nice break in coverage last week around the goal line, dropped the ball. Like, it is what it is. And T-Bone, if those three aren't winning football players for them consistently, November, December, playoff run, then... There's going to be more games, like the Miami one, where 35-38, Lamar being all otherworldly, still ain't enough. I pulled a lot of the numbers on Pro Football Reference this
4: morning about the overall defense, and we'll get into that after the break. But to your point, Jason, these three guys need to step up in order for those overall numbers to improve, and they're at the bottom in a lot of categories. And just running through the three guys – Patrick Queen, who is who he is at this point. It's year three. It's put up or shut up with him. You're seeing a lot more of what we've seen through the first two weeks. And the big word that Queen talked about during training camp is consistency. And Ken and I are simpatico. He had that good first game. Nice tackles in the open field and coverage on running backs. He hasn't built off that. He hasn't been consistent. And you're going to continue to see that. I'm, I'm sure... He's going to have more standout games throughout the year. But in between, are you going to continue to get nothing burgers? Quarterbacks are 14 of 20 when targeting him. 147 yards, 10 and a half yards of completion. He's already given up 109 yards of yak, Jason. I, I mean, that is well, terrible. True and media it, has him for 207 for what it's I'm, worth. I'm on pro football reference. Yeah. So even, even looking at pro football reference, all of last year, he had 339 yards in Yaks. He's, so he's well on he's, his way he's, he's by gonna, any
3: standard. He's
4: going to obliterate that. Now, when it comes to Adafi Owe... The he, arm tackle on Tyree Kill tells me all you need to know about Patrick Queen. Made, uh, Owe made game-changing plays
3: early on the year, Jason. Last year. Last year,
1: yeah. With, with Kansas they City. He helped win the Kansas City game.
3: He, Here's the other thing that really freaks me out about this situation. Remember how much he was dropping last year? I think he dropped in coverage seven times in the Kansas City game. So they were asking more of him. He had more put on his plate. Now it's like, please just go get a sack. We're going to play you every freaking down. Please go breathe on a quarterback. He's dropping back less. Less is being asked of him. He's being put in more pass rush. The only two people this guy gains with the Rams a D lineman and Aaron Donald. That's the two people in the NFL rush the passer more than him. And he's got a nothing burger. How can that? How can this like? You asked more of him the first half of his rookie year and he delivered more than this. He had a
4: sack in his first game last year against the Raiders and that was the knock. Penn State his final year he didn't have a sack. He had 3 sacks. He had 9 quarterback hits in his first 5 games, Jason. He came out of the gate, he was flying and really tailed off down the stretch. Where was it? The shoulder, was it the sling? I think sling expectations. I think expectations for him He needed to take a big step. When you only keep two outside linebackers, which is is ridiculous, one's 33 years old. Guess what? The second year player who's 23 years old, he needs to take the next step. And as far as Kyle Hamilton, I always kind of chuckle. And this is why with pro football focus, you need to take everything with a boulder of salt. He is the seventh rated safety in the National (laughs) Football League. Marcus Williams is ninth.
3: Yeah, their are grades. Now I look at the raw numbers. I don't look at their grades. Now, he's three games in at this point.
4: So I'm not going to press the panic button. You hope that he gets better as the year goes on. I will give you this. Marlon Humphrey, his rookie year, 16th overall. He played even less snaps than Kyle Hamilton. You look at his numbers, 15%, 15%, 32, 37, 98 when Jimmy Smith was hurt, 15, 24. So as the year went on, he was getting uh, starts. Cornerback was deep for them that year. That was when they signed Brandon Carr in the Mm offseason. He had Jimmy Smith in his prime. Tavon Young, who ended up getting hurt in training camp, was coming off a strong rookie year. So similar in how the positions were stacked is the point I'm making.
1: We have a huge Tuesday show. Guest-wise, we'll talk to our buddy Mike Bordick, Baltimore Baseball tonight at 3 o'clock, Oriole Hall of Famer, obviously. Mike Bordick, 3.30, Rita Hubbard. will get her thoughts on the game Sunday in New England and what she expects to see against Buffalo. And then our friend Cynthia Freeland from NFL Network will get her thoughts on the Ravens and the National Football League at 4.30. And we will certainly sprinkle in some, sprinkle in some
3: O's. Uh, fun, crazy. Late night game at Fenway last night. Hope the bats stay hot. Um, and Grayson made last night for Nofuck what we hope is his final triple-A start. Um, so we will certainly uh, touch on some of that throughout the course of the day. And and, and the moment we all wait for every week, Gigi's six-pack of takeaways. From oh, the, it's a from Tuesday the, staple. Yeah. Tuesday it's staple baked six in the pack. cake.
1: Week three takeaways. That's That's coming. That's coming up at uh, four o'clock. Remember, download the Odyssey app on your on your smartphone. You can hear any even if you miss it. You can rewind, hear any segment on the Odyssey app, and it plays through both the Apple Play and the so easy even I can do it. Yeah, well, that's saying something. That is saying something. So download the Odyssey app. You can rewind and hear segments you may have missed. But coming up next, we're gonna take a look at the defensive coaching staff and Mike McDonald. Been a slow start for the defense. Could maybe a member of his staff be to blame? I'll ask Jason Lockett for next here on The Fan. Inside. Inside. Inside access.
0: With Jason Lockett and Ken Wyman. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash recommend today. Bringing you closer to the field. The deep field. Fly across the field. Closer to the locker room. So close you. Smell it. Ready? Closer to everything in
1: sports. Inside Access. 1057 The Fan. We were just talking during the break about the Ravens' defensive rankings over the years, and... Up until last year, they were good against the past. Tim, uh, rattle those off real quick. So Chris
4: Hewitt has been the secondary coach, top guy since 2015. When he came here in 2012, he was a special teams coach. Since 16, the past defense by year, ninth, 10th, 5th, 5th, 6th, last year 32nd, and so far this year, 32nd. Well, last year they blamed it on injuries. And Wink. And Wink, yes. Wink took the fall. I've said it a million times. If you blame it on injuries last year, Marcus Peters was gone. Week 9, Week 10, they were 32nd. If Marcus Peters means that much, he right. should have been defensive uh, player of the year. Last well, right.
1: well, and I also, Jason, and I would talk about this a lot. They had everybody but Marcus Peters Week 1, and they were terrible. That's, that's, that's my yeah. point. Yeah. They, I mean, Derek Carr they, looked like they, Joe yeah.
4: Montana. Can they have everybody through Week 9, Week yeah. 10 yeah. in that Dolphins game? Again, if Peters
3: means that much, he should have won Defense Player of the Year without taking a snap. Just go rewatch the second half of the Raiders game. They got the one pick in the end zone, but I mean, it was like they were doing whatever they wanted. Um, this is it's it's kind of like you peel back the layers of the onion, but where are you really getting? Like it, all this stuff is so intertwined, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's the teaching and it's the communication and it's it's what's happening during the week in practice. And is that getting through? And then it's the whole issue of are you putting too much on people's plates or too little? Then you fact sprinkle in a little bit of injury. Um, then you sprinkle in a little bit of do they make the best personnel decisions? And you know how 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 much of this is on the front office. And it just ultimately it brings me back to this. If you have more, a higher percentage of your cap in the secondary than any other team in the NFL, and you're doing it explicitly at the expense of linebackers and D-line, where you aren't putting in the same draft capital and near not close to the same financial payouts, then that unit has to lead your team and be great, be excellent every single week if you're going to have a chance, even with Lamar Jackson doing what he's doing. Like So that that's my take on it. And if they're not then you've got big problems. And if there's anybody in that building who thinks maybe the secondary coaches are holding them back in some way, then that needs to be addressed because what Mac Jones did to them, not good. Like, that that wasn't good. You're lucky he threw the jump balls when he did, or it would have been 500 yards of, of offense well, from a tepid Patriots team. I don't easy. think that's
1: fair, though. I, I think they forced him into jump balls, and he made bad throws. I I don't think that's luck. No, there's There's other things he could have done than throw a jump ball in the end zone. He made bad decisions. He's and, not and, a good quarterback. Well, you don't get to play Mac Jones every week. That, that part's true, but I, I don't know that it's luck. I think they forced him into bad decisions. You, you're cool with Devontae Parker going for 150 no, when Jacoby Myers ain't even up
3: coming off of that debacle in your home opener. You're cool with that. Well, well, no, I, no,
1: I'm not. And also I don't think Jacoby Myers is, is, is A.J. Brown or, or anybody Do you that's think Devontae Parker's AJ Brown? No. I, Parker's barely played football no, in three. Years. No, but I don't. They think, couldn't stop it. I I don't think Jacoby Myers is making a massive difference in that no, football game. No, if he had somebody else who actually could get down the field, I think it would have been even worse. Maybe, but I also think you have to give the Ravens credit for forcing them into turnovers.
3: That's the only reason they didn't. I mean, that's that's it, why they won. I'm not I'm not no, saying I, they don't get credit for it. No, I'm saying they're going to have to do it. Sure, every week. I get that.
1: And you're comfortable with the secondary. No, I'm you, not. You still think dudes are all on the same page? I do. I am not comfortable with the secondary. No, I, I, there's a lot of issues out there. I do think that Marlon and Marcus seem to be getting closer to form. I thought Marlon Humphrey played well Sunday. Now, they, they're going to go against a much better offense this Sunday. Yes. We'll see how that looks. This defense can't, T-Bone, just
3: be equipped to survive Mac Jones. This defense should squash Mac Jones. They should squash that Patriots passing game, especially on that day. And they need to be able to hold their own when big boy quarterbacks come to town. Sure. And a big boy quarterback's coming to town, and we'll find out a little bit more. They're surviving on
4: takeaways, which if you want to give Mike McDonald some credit there, and even uh, Eric DaCosta with the Marcus Williams signing. Eight takeaways, which is tied for the most in football. But when you dive deeper into the numbers, all of these courtesy of Pro Football Reference, Dead last in yards per game and passing yards allowed. 31st in yards per play. 31st in first downs allowed. 31st in yak. So they have the second most missed tackles <laughs> in stuff. football. Well, that, That's my point. And, and you've been saying this for a while, Jason. They're 10th in blitz percentage <laughs> under Mike McDonald. 25th. In quarterback knockdowns per pass attempt. So they aren't getting
1: home. Well, and the other big stat, which we've brought up before, but I think it's incredibly telling, in in now the last twenty games, they've given up a four hundred passing yard four hundred passing yard game five times. No other team's done it more than once. They've done it five times. That to me, that's telling. But, so how how like
3: how long till somebody besides Wink Martindale who ain't here anymore is held accountable? I guess is what I'm wondering. Well, like, at what point do you say something's got to change here and it can't be the coordinator because we just did it? Yeah. The so, one difference
4: during this stretch, and I'm not putting all the blame on him, but Chris Hewitt, I gave the numbers of 2016 through 2020. They're in top 10 every single year. Most of them in the top five before bottoming out last season. Danton Lynn, he's nine-year coaching veteran. He came in last Anthony year. Anthony Lynn's kid. And he coached the DBs. And then this year, he's serving as the safeties coach. So there's a difference
3: there. Look, well, they also had a smidge of pass rush five years ago.
1: And they don't now. But that's how
3: they built the team. That's why I think you have to have the front office as part of this. Because we've said it before. We'll say it again. Nobody's covering a scrub receiver for five, six seconds in this league, let alone a good one. And when they have generated... When they have affected the quarterback this year, it's been because it's taken numbers to do it, which is, well, that was what, that's, now he's not going to go commando like Wink and bring no. seven or eight and empty the kitchen tank and go red dog and cover zero, but he will bring five or six, and even then, like you said, T-Bone, the get home rate ain't great. Tenth and board's
4: percentage is not a 180 from what we were expecting from Wink Martindale, maybe a more conservative defense playing, go- Tenth in blitz percentage through three weeks. Right.
3: It's probably higher than they anticipated. Yeah. But it, when guys can't win up front, when your four has never beaten their five, then it's you're gonna have you're gonna have no choice. It's sort of you're back to the same bargain and the same drawing board that that you were at before. The one difference though is he's not he's not and when it wouldn't be reflected in these you'd think it would be reflecting these numbers, but they're not playing man nearly as much as Wink did. No. They're still getting getting torched in zone because dudes are playing the wrong zone or half of them are playing one coverage and half of them are playing another or guys just aren't good enough.
1: We'll continue this conversation throughout the show. But coming up next, it's time to nail down on what T-Bone's thinking. It's TMI with T-I-M. Tim, what you got?
4: We've talked about our concern ad nauseum about the left tackle situation. The Ravens not having a true left tackle outside of Ronnie Stanley, Juwan James, all he does is get hurt. He played three games, three and a half games, I should say, since 2019. Patrick McCary, we talked about his back. It wasn't a back injury on Sunday, but he got hurt with nine minutes to go in the first quarter. In comes Daniel Falele, who played his first snaps at left tackle. Guys, is it now or never for Ronnie Stanley entering week four? And if Stanley isn't coming back, our confidence level in Falele, we're going to get into that next on Inside Access.
1: takes from the guy behind the glass. I'm
2: in a glass
3: case of emotion.
1: TMI with T-I-M.
3: TMI. TMI
0: my friends. Inside Access.
3: 105.7 The Fan.
2: I mean as a game when I think he really, really settled in. You know he never played left tackle in a game before in his life. To go out there and get a field the two rushers they had you know obviously coming off the edges were both you know very good football players just seemed to me that once he kind of got settled down and were loud stadium, silent count, really hadn't been practicing the silent count all week with the ones. Once he kind of got the timing of that down and got a feel for the speed of the game, seemed to get his confidence. And...
1: John Harbaugh talking about Daniel Falele playing left tackle on Sunday, and now I cede the floor to you, T-Bone. <laughs> the doomsday situation happened. With the
4: Ravens at left tackle, and we were kind of warning everyone mm-hmm. about this because you're going in to week one, really going into training camp in the off season without a true left tackle besides Ronnie Stanley. And with Ronnie Stanley, we knew all along that he wasn't going to be playing week one and probably early on to the into the season, and that has unfortunately come into fruition. You started with Juwan James, who... I believe played a game at left tackle his rookie year, but he mm-hmm. is predominantly a right tackle. He only played three games since the 2019 season entering here. Her guys get hurt. Yep, mm-hmm. and opted out in 2020. And Patrick McCarry we all like him as a player, but and he's a great Swiss Army knife, but he's not a true left tackle. And he, look, he did great when he went in for Juwan James week one and held his own in week two and he got hurt ankle injury with nine minutes to go in the first quarter against the patriots and he went down with an ankle injury he's dealt with back injuries throughout his career he has never played a full season so another guy that is going to get hurt just history tells you that ravens drafted daniel Falale in the draft in the fourth round seen as a project seen as a true right tackle had never played a snap mm-hmm. at left tackle so he's inserted they, into they like s- taking right tackles and putting him at left tackle Me too. it's a fetish <laughs> well they love versatility across their offensive line that's well i think you most teams would say you
3: want your left tackle to be a left yeah, tackle like, I, I, you know absolutely absolutely like, mm-hmm. you don't see them taking the no. quarterback off the field for anything yeah. do you no so to ronnie stanley
4: He got activated off pop prior to week one, and then it took him a little bit just to even hit the practice field at that point. One day on, one day off, one day on, one day off. Last week, he did practice back-to-back days for the first time, Wednesday and Thursday. He has yet to practice in a full capacity, and he did not practice Friday, didn't travel with the team to New England. It's got to be now or never for
3: him. And well, I don't know about now or never, but now's probably... It's a good time. Now, yeah. How soon is now? As the Smiths once said, it, it, it should be soon. Now needs to be soon. And I don't think that's going to be the case. You don't he's, think he's playing? No. We, wow. This T-Bone said that emphatically. Yeah, he did. You you think he's playing? I think it's the first week that it's a, a, On the a table. legitimate question. I, I can't think... That the plan isn't for him to practice full tomorrow. And if that goes well, then the plan would be to come back Thursday and see how that goes. Mm-hmm. And that means by Friday, Saturday, you're like, all right, if, if he's ready to go and we're comfortable with his conditioning and we're comfortable with what we've seen over three weeks of practices, albeit many of them limited, then what gives us the best chance to win this game and protect this quarterback? Who do we think is better off staring across the line of scrimmage at Von Miller? Ronnie Stanley at whatever percent, or Falele at 100%. Well,
4: you say whatever percent, and you always tell Ken and I, oh, it can get worse if whatever percent that was out there last Monday night, week one, that was a
1: turnstile.
3: they got to make the decision, and he's got to make the decision. Yeah. And John Harbaugh's made that abundantly clear. I don't think it's a crazy thought or proposition that this could be go time. And as you've been saying from the onset, when I'm sitting in Salisbury, getting ready to talk to Jackson Holiday, and you guys are in studio, and... At four thirty in the afternoon, they send the thing out. Oh, Ronnie Stanley's
1: now joining the active roster. He Passes conditioning test. You're like, well, oh, that means he's definitely playing weeks. one of the first four weeks. Uh-huh. Or what
3: the hell are we doing with the roster spot? Yeah. What are we doing here? Yeah,
4: but he's barely ramped up at this point, Jason. I, and that's I mean, look, is it's been there, three weeks. Is there a shot that he plays? Sure. And Stanley was always seen if he can get anywhere, if he can be an average left tackle at this point. That's such a key. To this offensive line, because I think something that has surprised all of us, they are tied for first in the least amount of quarterback hits allowed this season, with 10. Yeah, the pressure rate is not bad. No, it's not bad at all. They didn't give up a sack in the second half when it looked like Falele was going to get Lamar
1: Jackson killed. The pass pro has been, save for once Macari got hurt in those two series, all year the pass pro's been good. And what's Ronnie Stanley's forte pass
4: protection because he's more of a finesse left tackle. So if he can add to that. Now the run blocking still a major issue. Ben Powers he is not look good at
3: all at left guard from a run blocking standpoint. Does it th- surprise you that Morgan that they thought Philele was better equipped for this than Morgan Moses? Uh,
1: I, I will tell you. Are you this, robbing uh, Peter uh, to uh, pay Paul? I, I, I will tell you that it's my understanding well, that, that way you put Philele on the right side. It, it's my understanding that Morgan Moses let them know when he signed he had no interest in playing left tackle. And, and that was part of his signing here. He made it clear.
3: I mean, even like, even if
1: it's... <laughs> he said,
3: I'm not even playing. Even if Ronnie Stanley, Juwan it. James, and Patrick McCarry are not available, my understanding, I refuse
1: to do it. My understanding is he made it clear when he signed he's a right tackle. I'm not going to help get you through a game. I'm not playing like cr- If that's true hey, that's and them. they agreed to it, that's hey, jackassery. Well, that's, that's on them for not having you, the you, proper people.
3: A you would not be willing to play 30 minutes of football... To help us get through, if the alternative was they a s- developmental fourth-round right tackle, they they could have said no to the
1: signing. No, I'm saying that's jackassery on yeah, their part if uh, they agreed to that. No, nope. yeah. that's crazy trains. Well, you, you see what's happened Let's, here last year. He saw they saw what went on at left tackle last year. It's like, <laughs> I don't want to be a part of that. I'm not it, even, le- I won't even do it
3: if we're out of tackles. If I'm the only <laughs> tackle yeah. standing and yeah. we got to play a tight end at right tackle yeah. and somebody at left tackle, I'm not doing it. Yeah, Let's go a step That's further. That's quite a stipulation. Let's
4: go
1: a step further. He knew what he was stepping into.
4: If Ronnie Stanley plays this Sunday and really upcoming – and he continues to show that he's a shell of himself. You asked this question, what, a week or two ago. How much leash does he have?
3: Well, I think, I th- look, I, I don't think that it was what they were able to do in the second half with, with, with Philele was great. Is that the offense they want to run? Is, is that what they want to be? And and would they have to go to those lengths to help a McCarry or a Stanley, right? So that's like that's what the, the that's what they're going to have to, as a staff, do that calculus and decide. And if this is only a one or two week injury with McCary, is there a way to get him back, put him in for Powers, and then maybe that helps whoever the left tackle is because they're actually going to get quality left guard play. And then you have Ben Powers as the extra offensive lineman, which he did well with. Yes, he's the
4: he's the tackle eligible. He's the jumbo tight end. Offensive line as a whole, through three weeks though, Jason. And we were saying, Ken and I, that we thought this unit would be better. Has it exceeded your expectations?
3: Um, I, maybe. Pro- I mean, I had low expectations. From a and I was baking. Standpoint. I was baking. Juwan James not long for <laughs> <my> tackle. <laughs> yeah, that tackle. That was baked into <laughs> yeah, my case. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry it happened the way it did, but you didn't think he would make it through the first. Well, I said halftime. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah,
1: I, I guess. I, I I guess so. Sure. I think they've been very good pass pro. The run, right. and I I thought Linderbaum p- fared well on Sunday. So yeah. So he, yeah, he, he held up. Yeah. So and and uh didn't baldy put some zeitlers we know zeitler's steady but zeitler had a nice game sunday too and i thought that was a great point who do we have one yesterday i was saying the same
4: jonas where you just don't even think of zeitler at this point and that's such a credit to him and he was such a rock steady veteran last year so for him to do it again this year another year older is massive
1: Hey, coming up next here on the program, Orioles still playing baseball, still mathematically alive, and what a night for the bats in Beantown. We'll recap plus, is there a future for Grayson Rodriguez on this roster before the season ends? We'll discuss next here on The Fan. Inside Access with Jason and Ken. The one station with inside access to all Baltimore sports. 105.7 The Fan. It's always funny what's in the recesses of our in- our intro music. This is from like the very beginning gotta, of the I gotta show. I got some
3: new stuff in the hopper. Yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, Orioles last night in Boston, a wild game with a long rain delay. Jordan Lyles went two innings, gave up two runs. It could have been worse, but then they they're out for an hour and forty minutes, so obviously can't go back to Jordan Lyles. Sammy Watkins. Or Spencer Watkins, excuse me. (laughs) Yeah, Spencer Watkins, four and a third gave a four earned eight eight hits, two walks. Uh, Logan Gelaspy gave up a run, uh, two runs, one earned. Orioles gave up eight runs, but they scored fourteen. Two touchdowns. Yeah, home runs from Mullins, two from Santander, one from Hayes, one from Gunner. They win fourteen to eight last night. It's
3: fun watching these young guys get their first taste of Fenway Park, right? And Especially the left-handed kids with power. And watching Stowers look at that wall and say, I'm going to put one off that and take three bags. Uh, watching Gunner hit one. I mean, look, there, was, there were certain at-bats we could tell Gunner really wanted to go the other way. The, the ball he absolutely destroyed was to center field and may not have landed yet. How about him? How many youngsters, let alone 21-year-olds, having barely been in the, uh, the the major leagues a month, and you're in an 0-for-16 Walk slump. three times. <laughs> and, then, and then you fall behind the count and destroy a ball yeah. like that. Like this kid, you can't say enough about him. Um, yeah, that was fun last night. The two-hour rain delay, not so much. No. But I think Fenway Park w- was going to be, and and Connor Seabold on the mound, was going to be just the magic elixir to get the bats going again. Um, everybody should be feeling good about themselves. Themselves now, they finally won a game when Santander hit multiple homers. Yeah, 1-8. and eight. How about him? I mean, he ended up hitting 33, 34 home runs as a switch hitter.
1: Pretty special. Three Orioles now with 30 home run seasons of switch hitters. Eddie Murray, Ken Singleton, Anthony Santander. Yeah,
3: pretty elite company. That's I don't want them trading him this offseason. I, I think they need to have that sort of bat, especially the flexibility. Like, if he walks in a year for a comp pick, so be it. That's why you drafted Kyle Stowers and Colton Kalzer and – Heston Kerstad and and all those outfielders. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, that was that was a fun game. They didn't have to use the A team in terms of their relievers, which is big. We know no more no more days off. Um little different test tonight though
1: against Waka, who's been really really good and pitched well against them as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um I I do I, and I I we shouldn't get into it now, but I am I do want to let you know and maybe we devote a segment to this at some point. I think I've turned on Jorge Mateo Uh, like I I love the defense too many bad at bats for me and they've got guys that are like I think Gunner can handle shortstop I I I feel like when this team takes the next step I I don't know that he can be the starting shortstop and it's kind of a testament to what they have built up
4: up the middle really through their farm system but Can you imagine Mateo in a super utility
3: role and then coming in as a pinch runner? No, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, they're going to have to figure out. I I don't know that Gunnar Henderson could play shortstop like him. And depending on the constitution of the pitching staff and, you know, they're going to have decisions to make. I think Jorge Mateo is going to be their opening day shortstop next year. You can't have six rookies in a lineup. You know what I mean? Like. Gunnar Henderson's still a rookie next Mm -hmm. year. You know what I mean? Like, okay, you want Westberg or you want Ortiz. Okay. Adley's not going to qualify as a rookie, but you're talking, I mean. How about this? You can't have all of them. Carlos Correa. Yeah, I mean, if they get Carlos Correa, then they're trading Jorge Mateo. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, that's I, fine. I Move to the side so because yeah. you're going to have enough kids for utility stuff, and somebody's going to give you enough. Like I, Jorge Mateo is a starting shortstop in this league, and I believe his career will, will continue to be as a starting shortstop in this league. And if at a certain point, at some point next next year, he's not that here, because maybe he's not a starting shortstop on a contending team that thinks it's got a shot at a, at a you know to compete for the chance to go to a world series then maybe somebody else takes a shot at him but what he's still only 27 28 and it is elite elite defense and it's a it's a unique skill set and i'm also old enough to remember a six week stretch where francisco lindor was the only
1: better hitting shortstop yeah, than him know. in the major leagues but the huge sample size is 220 and a lot of bad at-bats. Huge sample size. is the first year he's ever been uh, given a chance to start every day. Uh, but you're pointing to six weeks. I'm pointing to the season.
3: Well, you're also the guy who thinks Austin Hayes could still be the best player on this team. I mean, he's had a four-year no, sample size. I, and I, this d- is the first I, time I the guy's ever gotten the regular at-bats.
1: I said that going into the I season. I know, but... That's, uh, that's misspeaking. Like, that, that, that's not what I said. I don't, I'm don't. i not saying on September 27th that Austin Hayes is the best player on this no, team. No, I'm not saying that you are. No, that's what you said. You said you still think Austin Hayes is the best player on this team. Is what you said. You believe at opening day two yes. straight years yes i did
3: that austin hayes yeah, yes. could be the yes. best player on the team yes having had yes a much larger sample size than what jorge Mateo's ever been given at the major league level
1: yeah and austin. i'm not but, saying it's uh, ideal because of the injuries but we're talking years i get it i get it and and i don't believe that anymore but i but i'm not going to be 100 on these things but i i just don't know that jorge mateo can hit major league pitching consistently yeah. And and mm-hmm. and and I think Gunnar Henderson or you sign a veteran, I think they're good enough at shortstop. Yeah, I don't know that Michael Elias is thinking the way you're thinking, but we'll, we'll find out.
3: Um, we'll certainly find out. I think the guy they like the most at shortstop is Joey Ortiz yes. defensively, but yes. even he's not going to be Mateo. No, and he's been raking. He has, but I mean these guys—they're not all going to pay out. No. Now. no. You know, they're not all gonna pan out. We hope Grayson Rodriguez pans out. He was very good last night for Norfolk. I'm not gonna say he was great. Mm. Like his he's still his 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 secondary pitches still are not as crisp and he's not locating them as well as he would like. And there were, you know, I think he walked what four. The pitch count got up again, in part because the first couple of innings, he's striking everybody out. Um But then yeah, right around there's kind of like the last outing, right around the fourth inning, it wasn't as crisp. Um it took him 50 pitches to get through 3. He ends up throwing 89 pitches. Strikes out 6 in 5 innings, 3 hits, a run, 3 walks. Norfolk season ends Wednesday, so he will not be pitching down there. There's no like I know we touched on this a little bit yeah. yesterday, but now that he's gone through this outing and he's thrown another 89 pitches and he came out of it healthy. What is the count if the counter argument is maybe it doesn't go great? Like, you think this kid's not mentally strong enough that he can handle that? It, like, it, it, and what if it goes really well? Like, I, the, the risk reward. I don't, like the people who say, "Well, what if he gets beat up
1: a little bit and like that's the last thing he does?" All year? So what? So
3: what? He's gonna one be start he's, three he, months ago. I didn't know if he was gonna pitch again
1: this year. He was. He's gonna be in the rotation if he's healthy next year in April, regardless. So give him a start in the major leagues. Uh, yeah, I, I don't see the downside. And Steve Molesky brought this up on on Massesports. and it was a good thought. Like, Maybe
3: he goes to the Arizona Fall League after that major league start because you'd like to get him 95, 100 competitive innings if you could, right? I think right now he's at 75. And if the arm is fine and it's what, been, he's been, he's made five or six appearances now since he came back from the injury and he stretched out to 90 pitches, which they never let him throw more than 90 pitches in Norfolk anyway mm-hmm. or anywhere in his minor league career. Then if you're reading tea leaves, the... that, that, like, I, why would you put him on the shelf now? Nah, and I, if you're thinking about sending him to the Arizona Fall League, why wouldn't you give him a major league start first?
1: Yeah, no, nah, I'm completely with you. I, I think he should start. So what, he pitched, he pitched last night? Give him a start over the weekend. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you want to
3: save it to Monday because it's a home game, right? The final three are at home. I mean, I, whatever. His next start should be sometime
1: over the weekend or Monday in the major leagues. Continue talking some baseball next. Oriole Hall of Famer and part of our baseball tonight coverage, Mike Bordick will get his thoughts on what he saw last night. And as the Orioles nine games to go, still alive. Get Bordy's thoughts next here on the Fan.
0: Okay, picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild.